who, not how, may be the most important question you can ask as an entrepreneur. Welcome to the Alloy Personal Training Business Podcast, where we'll share our insights on how to make more money, how to help more people, and how to be a better leader for your business and your community. We've been in this game since 1992, and we'll share our successes and failures along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Matt? Hey, Rick. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, round two, right? We shot this on Monday. Um, this is a Wednesday, and uh, yeah, I had a computer, computer glitch. Technical so difficulties. Lost the whole thing, so it's a bit of a redo. Yeah, it'd probably be better. It is. You're welcome, everyone. That's right. Yeah, and I'm pumped about the topic. <laughs> I just finished this great book called Who Not How, and it's something that um, it's probably one of the few things that I feel like I've done well over time, and so the book was sort of a reinforcement around this idea. So I'll start it out with a story, Matt, if you'd like. I love story. Story, story time. time. Story time. <laughs> so, and this story's right out of the book. So essentially in the book, he profiles a, a guy who has a very successful company. You know, he's doing millions of dollars in EBITDA every year, which is the formula you use to get a multiple, right? And he has a buyer courting him. So he says, you know what? I'm not going to use an investment banker on this deal. I'm a smart guy. I got the business to here. I'm the best suited to sell it. So I'm going to do it. So, you know, he had a couple of different buyers lined up, as a matter of fact. So he chose his buyer, which took a minute, right? Because you want to align as well as you can. You want your company to live on. You might keep some stock in it. So you want it to do well, right? So he picks the right buyer and he goes through this back and forth negotiations and it takes him 18 months to get there. And at the end of 18 months, they don't do a deal. So the whole thing falls through, right? Well, during that 18 months, it's also a massive distraction. And we've been through that as well. So as I'm hearing this guy talk about it, I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, we had someone on our side that was mm-hmm. negotiating it. wasn't the right deal. We didn't take it. But I can tell you it was a year long. And during that year, it was super distracting because you can't make any real decisions. You know, you can't have any big expenses. You can't grow. Yeah. You can't, I mean, there's not much you can do, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're kind of waiting. You're kind of right. static and on hold until this thing either happens or doesn't happen. So it gets through 18 months. It doesn't happen gets down the road, rebuilds his business, gets back on track. A couple years down the road, he has some more buyers courting him. This time, he swallows his pride. He hires an investment banker. Now, in the first go-around, he was getting an offer for eight times EBITDA. Mm-hmm. So you know, for those of you guys, we won't go into what EBITDA is, but essentially it's eight times profit in, in a simplistic way. Well, he hires an investment banker. This guy brings many more buyers to the table, which gives him more choices. This person helps him choose the right buyer, which mm-hmm. is very important. And the deal happens in six months instead of 18, and it is successful. And he sells it for a 12 multiple. Now, when you're selling, talking about multiples of millions of dollars, four times more, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or four points more, you know, multiple is a ton of money. Right. I think the commission he paid out to the investment banker was like 500 grand, right? So yeah, lesson learned, you would think, right? At the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, I made several million more dollars. It happened in a third of the time that it took me. It was not a distraction at all. And it actually worked, right? Right. So it's a who, not how do I do this, but who can do this for me, right? And so, you know, this guy is from a blue collar family. So there's a little bit of pride around like, I do my own work, you know, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And so he's now semi-retired, still on the board for his old company, and he's at home and his HVAC unit is on the, on the blank. Now, this guy has millions of dollars in the bank, right? And so he decides instead of paying 
five to 10 grand, whatever that is to get a new HVAC unit. I've got an idea. I'm going to fix this shit myself because I, by God, I fix my own stuff. Right. And so <laughs> this is the millionaire. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it's, this is, and this is important to hear as this goes along, this is a lens and a mindset more so than, you know, you know, landscaping or HVAC, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, and, the, and he has the money. And of course, according to the book, if you have the money, you don't have a problem. Right. And so he has the money, but no, just based on his lens and I'll do this myself He's shimmies up on the roof and he's going to figure out some kind of a venting, you know, hack and shortcut to squeeze another year maybe out of his HVAC (laughs) unit, right? So he goes on the roof. He promptly slips, falls, and cracks his skull open on his own driveway. That's a terrible story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He dies a bloody terrible death. No, he falls on the driveway. He's in a coma for a couple of weeks. He's in the hospital for many months. It takes him a year to physically recover, to learn how to walk, to learn how to speak, all the things that happen with traumatic brain injury. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just another example of someone who – should be asking certainly if you have the funds who not how right mm-hmm. and so it's a really i think it's probably the most important question that any entrepreneur could be asking themselves is who not how no you know in in our regard you know it means like how are you going to scale your business right yeah. and there's a saying that i've heard it's like you should only do what only you can do which basically means as a leader as you grow your company you should only do the things that or in your wheelhouse that you're good at, that give you energy that only you can do and everything else you should essentially delegate. And when you go to delegate, you need a who, if -hmm. you will, right. To accomplish that task. And so it's important that when you, first of all, that you, that you understand that it's okay to do that, right. That you can hire a who, and that should be the first question you ask. But then when you're going to do that, you want to lay out a really clear plan of attack objectives, probably a budget, right objectives and everything that you need and you go and you find your who to accomplish that now there's a couple things happen when you find a who one is you're going to be able to force multiply your efforts right Right. because you're typically going to hire someone who's better at that function than you are they're happy to do it it's their wheelhouse they love it right Mm -hmm. and so you're going to actually have a better skilled process if you will by the people involved and you're going to have a better outcome and you're also going to be able to essentially accomplish things that you would never be able to do on your own, right? Right. Whether it's speed and speed is important in some cases, right? You can't dilly dally forever. Like think about the 18 month acquisition, Mm -hmm. right? So there's speed, there's the quality of the work and there's accountability to it as well. What I mean by that is if you choose a who and you lay out clear objectives, you have to then get busy in your silo of things that you are good at, right? And sort of lead them, if you will, yep. right, or hold them accountable. I mean, you don't have to micromanage them. That's the worst thing. If you don't hire a who, if you're going to loiter over them and tell them how to do their job, right? Hire the who, give them clear objectives, let them go and do their work, get out of their way, right? But you're in some ways you're accountable to that who. So think about it through the lens of like a personal training business. So if I hire someone here to do sales and management, right? Mm-hmm. And I've been through these stages many years ago. So if I hire that person. And then I say, listen, it's going to be my job to get out and grow the business and produce leads. It's going to be your job to close those leads and then and work on retention. There's some accountability in that for both of us, right? Mm-hmm. So now, now that I'm leveled out of that position, I'm literally accountable to go out and like find leads. And that's all, that's my function right now, right? Yep. And my new manager slash director of training's job would be to sell said leads and to plug the dike for retention, right? right? And so- 
those are the real reasons that you do it is it gives you, you can work in, in only the areas that you're most skilled in again, on, do only what only you can do. And it gives you accountability. So it forces you in a lot of ways to do relevant, meaningful work because you're hiring people to do the other things and they need you to be doing your job, right. whatever, even if it's one or two things, mm-hmm. those things are super important, should be. And that forces you then to be accountable to yeah. all those other positions. Well, it sounds like you're saying you need to be uh, more growth minded than cost minded. And I imagine a lot of people get stuck in the cost minded, pinching pennies, going to do it myself. And then they just kind of get stuck, right? You nailed it, man. You nailed it hundred percent. So if you're a cost minded person hiring in that scenario, so hiring that manager, that director, you look at them as a direct cost, mm-hmm. right? But if that person is better at that function than you, right? Or at least as good, and you can then go out and multiply leads and you have someone sitting in that seat that's going to convert just as many leads as you did, maybe even more because they're happy to be doing it. And you're probably looking to vacate those positions and grow and grow over time, mm-hmm. ideally in a gross mindset. Then you have to look at the people that you hire, your who's, they're not a cost. They're an investment. And an investment is something that gives a return, right? I mean, there's examples in the book of a guy with a software company. He's out of the UK and he hires a, a new sales manager at 120 pounds a year, right? 120K a year, right? Yep. And so he's thinking, if you were cost-minded, you would think, Ugh, I don't want to hire that person. It's going to cost me blank. But if you hired the person, you gave them clear objectives, and then you got out of their way and let them do their job, the end result of that in this particular case was like 1.7 million pounds of increased sales the next year for a cost, if you will, of 120. So you're people that work with you, whether they're outsourced or whether they're true employees of the business or whatever, those are investments. And if you're growth minded, you look at those as an investment, Mm -hmm. not as a cost. Because if it's a hard cost and you're that small minded and you do it all yourself, you know, you're just, you're never going to, it's really changing your lens, maybe on your entire life. Cause we can even talk about how this works personally for people as well. Yeah. Right. Before we do the personal, I mean, we've kind of talked the business. How about, I mean, this is right in our wheelhouse say, um, coaches or trainers who want to level up themselves and want to have their own business. Um, and I've seen this many times. I've talked to people where they want to open their own business, but then they're like, Oh, well, I have to learn how to do this. I have to learn how to do this. I learned how to do this. We uh, are actually the perfect solution to that, right? Yeah. I mean, the reason that we have a licensing business and now a full on franchise is because we are the, uh, the quintessential who for someone that wants to go and enter the fitness space and open a business. A franchise is a who, right? Right. Now, the who is important and the objectives are important. If you make sure that person aligns with you and they're, they're good on your team and that they understand the who process as well, right? That a franchise, certainly the way that we're set up now and the way that we're doing it for fitness professionals, certainly for that smaller, you know, the, the stronger one or the one pod model, mm-hmm. um, it, we are the who. So you're sitting in this seat. You want to do something more than you've ever done. You can either plod and fiddle fart around and do it on your own, which is going to take forever. And your chances of failure are much higher. Your chances of taking the wrong fork in the road, right? Mm -hmm. Making a wrong decision here or there, which could be catastrophic in small business, are exponentially higher if you don't have a roadmap from someone who's already been there before. Yep. So a franchise certainly is the way to say, look, you know, this is the path. This is the way all these other skills that you're going to have to acquire and learn over time. They're already done for you in a box. So stay in your wheelhouse, do what you do, train your folks, create an amazing atmosphere, get out and market, you know, beat that drum, stand on the soapbox, talk Mm -hmm. about health and wellness, software, tech, marketing, 
done for you in a box, right? Yeah. So that's what that's a, probably the best example, Matt, that you brought up of a who. Mm-hmm. Same thing when we had licensing, right? And it always baffled me when I would talk to someone and they're like, they just have this need to want to create it on their own. I'm like, that is the... I don't understand. Maybe it's an entrepreneurial <laughs> disease. I don't understand it. It's the dumbest way to think. And uh, no one that's achieved a lot thinks that way. I mean, how many how many times have, have we run into these high-level executives who have a personal assistant, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're trying to book an appointment. You don't even get to talk to them, right? right. Well, it's not because they're um, pompous or they don't have time for you. Well, they really don't have time for you. But there's, what I see is they're smart. They find a who that can do a function that is a waste of their time that they don't want to mm-hmm. do, right? Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Right. Yet when you're, you're trying to look to someone who's accomplished something that you haven't, right? Mm-hmm. But you're still in that mindset. Well, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Like, I don't want to buy a franchise. Like, why would I pay that? You know, I could just open my own. Well, good luck. You know, it's way harder right. than you think. And it's just not smart. It's not the growth mindset. It is a limited cost-based mindset. Yeah, no, and even if you, you could do it, it's not that it can't be done. You probably take a much longer time like we talked about earlier and time is a valuable asset yeah, and if your goal is just to prove it to yourself that your cockamamie ideas can work out in the real world fine but just be realistic if your goal is to succeed and to win right and not to take all the credit which by the way is a really common trait for any good leader is they just want to win they don't care who gets the credit mm-hmm. grab something that's already existing right that's already been proven concept and operationalize it that's all it's it's the biggest who in the world right so, and who's work both ways. So sometimes when we talk about who's from an employment standpoint, like I need to hire a who, right? You can look at it as like, well, I've got these sort of minions or these step and fetch it folks that are going to work for me and I just need them to do these functions, right? And it feels sort of top heavy, but you got to think about the who is the veritable win-win, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll look at it through employment as an example. So if I want to hire a coach that's new to the industry, I'm going to teach them what they need to know about training. And then they're going to cover a difficult shift for me, like evening hours or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. I am their who, right. Because I'm giving them an opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. giving them an education. I'm telling them that they're going to learn business acumen and they may have a bigger opportunity to work on the franchise side or maybe get their own gym at some point in the franchise. So they're my who to fill my gap. But at the same time, I'm also their who, Right, mm-hmm. Cindy Lou Who. This is like a bit like a Dr. Seuss book. Yeah, we're probably going to get fined or something. I think. Hootie, hootie, who? <laughs> hootie, who? All these who's, but who's in Whoville? But does that make sense though? Because you're, yeah. it's, it's a really a win-win. It's not like, hey, I need to go find a person to do all this stuff I don't want to do. There's somebody out there who would love to do what you don't want to do, right? There really is, and so it's the same thing in franchising. If we take it up a, a step further up the ladder, well. I'm the who for someone who needs a vehicle, who believes that health and fitness is a great, noble thing to do, but needs a business structure. They're also my who in the sense that I need people who believe in the vision, who are going to be good partners, who can take alloy to market, operationalize it, and help people in their community, Mm -hmm. right? So it's true partnership. So it is, when you look at a who and a who, it's really a win-win all the way around. I mean, we're in the quintessential win-win situation in terms of what we do. I mean, we're here to help clients, right? I mean, that's, you know, they get better, we do better, right? I mean, it's, it sounds so corny, but, you know, we've got trademark. looks good that we're going to get the trademark for Stronger Together. You know, back when Hillary used it for a campaign, kind of diluted it a little bit, and a lot of people in fitness use it now, which for, the, for at least for now, but they probably won't be able to since we got first use. Just heads up out there <laughs> if you're using it. <laughs> Your time is limited. Come up with something else. But, um, 
stronger together really means just that it, it is the who, right? Mm-hmm. I'm your, you, who I'm God, geez. You who yeah. with a little rum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your who you're my who. who. I know I'm losing it. It's, it's only in the morning. There's nothing in this cup, but, but straight up caffeine. I guarantee you that. But is this, is this making sense though? And I, it's, it's what, this is what a winner asks is who not how that's the only way I would say it like I don't know anybody in in my life or that I've met that's super successful that doesn't ask who you know we did a as you know Matt you were intimately involved in this we had a five-year agreement with a with another big fitness franchise right Mm -hmm. well they had already tried the how a couple times on their own it didn't work right so they found a who which was us right and to them we were the who that could fill this gap on building personal training systems right and it went from never sticking to having 1800 gyms just in that brand alone running a white labeled version of what we built for them so we filled the gap for their who they filled the gap for our who right they allowed us to scale they allowed us to take a peek under the covers of franchising they allowed us to understand how big structures like that work and how they work well they do a right. great job of it so every situation is a give and give, right? Mm -hmm. It works that way. But I think if you're looking to grow and to start a new process or to do anything different in your business, the first question you ask should be who not, you know, it always drives me crazy when I talk to a coach and they, you know, they are learning Facebook marketing or Facebook advertising. I'm like, and I, and I know these individuals. So I'm like, that's not for you. Believe me. And they'll dig in and they'll spend months and months and months and months learning how to do it. Or they're writing code on their website or they're doing. And if I'm honest, what I really see just because I've been doing it for a long time is they're hiding from the accountability that comes with who does that make sense? Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to learn to code and build a website because I'd much rather stay holed up in my office than get out and do the really hard work that I know that an owner should be doing. And that way I can go find a who to do this. But if I find a who to do these functions that I'm learning air quotes on my own, it forces me to be accountable to them and to the rest of the people on my team. And that forces me to get out into the front of, you know, out in front of this thing to be a leader and to spearhead this thing that I'm trying to build. Right. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, if you tell me that you're busy and you're doing a bunch of hows, I'm going to call you out and say that it's more than likely because you're scared to hire who's and get out in front of it and do what a real leader is supposed to do. Right. Yeah, Cause there's sense. A, it exposes you. Mm-hmm. There's accountability. It's scary. It's easier to stay small and feel busy by staying in the yeah. weeds. Right. than it is to get out in front of it and try to grow a business and figure out that you're not that good at it. And like, we're all that way. We talk about imposter syndrome. It's just part of the process. Yep. But if you never do it, you're always going to stay small. You're going to use cost minded, you know, decision making mm-hmm. to kind of keep you small. And in some ways, psychologically, perhaps you're just hiding from, the, the reality of, of what it takes to be a leader. I mean, I know guys, I can tell you right now that, you know, they're like laying turf in their gym or they're painting something or they're, it's like, why are you doing that? You know, if you could go out and multiply your business growth 10 X by just doing what good leaders and business owners do, you could then turn and, and pay someone easily to remodel your gym, remodel a bathroom, lay some turf. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this is something that I've, I've learned over time and I've gotten better at. And certainly sure. it's come with more money, but there's these sticking points where you have to choose a who and then go scale, choose a who and go scale. And if you look at it as an investment and not a, an expense, you'll think of it as, well, I'm going to hire this person. And yes, it's going to cost me this, but it's not, I'm not cost minded. 
I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to lay out a clear vision and obstacles and, mm-hmm. and objectives and KPIs, and I'm going to hold them accountable. And then they're by default holding me accountable, right? Cause I'm their who right. I've got to get out and grow this thing so that yep. they can do their job and yep. grow. Right. So anyway, I think it's something that in certainly in small business, it gets overlooked. And I think it's again, the most important question that you could be asking yourself. And this is the same lens. If you talk about using it personally, right. And we talked earlier, the story about the guy falling off of his roof. It's like, if you have the money, you don't have a problem. Right. So like we talk about lawn service, like when I was a kid, I owned a landscape company, you know, when I was in middle school and then going into high school, I sold it. So it was like my first like sale of a company. Right. Jeez, you were a little entrepreneur. I was, I was, I was peddling (laughs) Jolly Rancher lollipop sticks. I was buying for 10 cents. I'd buy a case and I'd sell them at school for a quarter pocket it. Right. I put toothpicks in Jack Daniels, which I'd sneak out of my parents' liquor cabinet, sell those for a quarter. (laughs) I was rolling, making like 10 bucks a week. And this was like a million years ago, right? Black and white movies and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) This was a long time ago. So yeah, I mean, that was something I was doing back then, but I mean, that wasn't a, a who, not how, but, um, anyway, I got tired of cutting grass. If I never cut another blade of grass for the rest of my life, I'm happy. Well, why with the decision fatigue that you get when you're a leader and you have to make all these decisions, why would you be making decisions about stuff like that, right? I know we talked about you with uh, three little girls. You're like, cutting the grass is maybe the only break I get on the weekends. <laughs> and, out there for hours. Right, exactly. Just, so you're still out there. Quarter just, of an acre. You're just, looking, you're just sitting there with your hands on your hips looking at those perfect lines, <laughs> drinking a beer. Like, that's, that's right. That's right. That's my handiwork. <laughs> Listen, I've done it too, but as soon as I could – hire a who I did it. So less decision fatigue. I don't want, I don't care what kind of plants are planted around my house. I don't want to work in my yard. If you do, if it's a hobby, like I like to work on my motorcycles, right? I could certainly find a who to do that, but that's a hobby. That's different, right? It's not like I feel like I have to do it because by God, I'm going to save $40 this month. It's like I could put five minutes of thought into a new strategy at work and and make that money. Not just filling your time with busy work. Exactly. And, and again, like to be honest, maybe hiding from the real obligations of ownership and leadership, right? You telling me I'm hiding from being a father. Mm. <laughs> I may or may not be accusing you of being a terrible father. I don't oh know. But anyway, listen, we'll, we'll leave it at that before it gets too weird. I'll talk to Matt off air about we'll how to be a better dad. <laughs> but um, I hope that helps you guys. Listen, don't be cost minded. Don't be small minded. You know, think growth, think leadership, think about anybody on your team, whether it's an outsourced or an employee as a true investment, give them clear objectives on what they need to do, hold them accountable, and then that will force you to get out there and do what you're supposed to do to grow your business. Awesome stuff, my man. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, check us out at alloyfranchise.com for more information on the alloy systems. Also, leave us a five-star review so we can spread the good word and help more people.